Welcome to Equity, a podcast brought to you by the Minority Educator Recruitment, Retention, and Equity Center located at Virginia Commonwealth University. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, It's really late in January, but I feel like to be annoying, I have to say Happy New Year, right? It's like what I'm supposed to be doing whenever you reintroduce yourself to an audience for the first time. So it's okay, Kendra, you can laugh. Happy New Year. Okay. Welcome to episode six of Equity, the podcast. I am humbled to be back as your host. My name is Dr. Faith Wilkerson. And today we are so happy to have Kendra Johnson here with us this afternoon. She is actually serving in a double capacity for us here in the School of Education at VCU. She serves as our um, in our teacher residency program overseeing the area of Petersburg. As I like to see, I said Petersburg. Petersburg. Uh, Petersburg. And she also is a doc student in our curriculum culture and change program here at VCU. So Kendra, big round of applause for you and welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I know I said right before we started that this feels like living my influencer yes. podcaster dreams. Uh, so I am excited to now like have this avenue as a podcast. Yes, yes, absolutely. And again, this is something we we know we would love to. It's unlimited. You know, when the cloud, it's unlimited, Kendra. So we would <laughs> love to have you back any and every time as much as you want, even possibly co-hosting the sky is the limit for you. OK, we can make your dreams come true here at Merrick. <laughs> I'm excited anytime. I'm already putting that out there. Awesome. Anytime, I will say yes with a swiftness. Yay. So today I'm I'm so excited to talk to you because there's so many layers that we are going to be like peeling back about you and some of the work that you have begun doing with our unit that we're so excited about. But, you know, first I have to always ask the question to our guest, which is the question of what does equity mean to you? For sure. I made some notes. So equity, uh, when I was a classroom teacher, I yeah. used to have this saying to my students of like, does everyone have what they individually need to be successful? Mm-hmm. Um, and so even in continuing my work outside of the classroom, that statement guides my understanding of equity. Does each individual person, each uh, individual group with the recognition that like nuance exists within groups. So we can't, casting that and that works for everybody, but does each pocket essentially have what they need to be successful? And if not, how do we respond to that? How do we, um, you know, one, do the pre-work of considering what does each individual, each group need, and then how do we respond to that? And so really being intentional about one, if we have it within our reach to give people what they need, actively giving it to them. If we don't have it, how do we support them in creating that space? Right. That's those are some amazing, amazing points. So you talked about, you know, your former time in the classroom. And so I want to I want to roll back to the very beginning. So how did Kendra get into the realm of education? So It's funny. Uh, I actually had no desire to go into education. I was very much one of those children growing up that had a new career interest every week. So it went from ballerina to chef. Um <laughs> probably it's like astronaut, tattoo artist, yes. all the things. Um, but I've always been a really good student. So like school education has always been this backdrop that for me, I loved it. Uh, but I was just like, no, I want something flashy. I want something with a little more pizzazz. <laughs> um, so I actually got my undergrad <laughs> degree in journalism and marketing um, because I was, 
I was like, I'm Oprah. Like, yes. Oprah reincarnate, this is me. Um, and then I remember my senior year, I graduated from Hampton. The oh, I forgot. Oh, you beat me to it. Ooh, 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 ooh. The illustrious. Oh, the real HU. I, I get it. Thank you for you're, recognizing. You're welcome. <laughs> and I remember it was senior year. I had just finished like my marketing capstone, and I felt so hollow inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, I'm having a, a early twenties life crisis. What's going on? And I called my fifth grade teacher, who is still the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just started telling her, and I was like, I feel like I just spent four years here. And yet, I don't think this is what I want to do. Uh, and she was like, Kendra, I'm not surprised. Like, yes, you have that that personage, that personality to communicate, to be out in the forefront. But even when I met you in fifth grade, I knew you were destined mm. to be in education. Mm. And I was like, wow, okay, how do I tell my parents that uh, yeah. we just used four years? Um, but my family was really supportive. And so I applied for Teach for America and I was accepted into the Greater New Orleans Corps. And so that's where I really started my teaching career. Fell in love, had no mm-hmm. idea I yeah. wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> um, but teaching kindergarten in New Orleans will w- awaken things in you that yeah. you did not even know was there. Um, and so the more I got into it, the more I just started thinking about these different issues in education, of course. How do we, uh, again, going back to this idea of creating opportunities mm-hmm. for students, really giving them what they need to be successful, being aware of the data that shows that historically and very much presently, Black and brown students are lagging, continue to lag behind compared to their peers. How do we support that? How do we change that narrative? Um, and so that really took hold. So I moved into some coaching roles, helping to develop other teachers just as I was growing in my understanding in my profession. Um, And then I remember there was this conversation with my principal at the time. And he was like, Kendra, we need more Black teachers. Like, how do we get more Black Mm -hmm. teachers? And of course, I'm like, yes, representation matters. Um, And Black teachers are lit. Uh, But that's a whole different... uh, (laughs) pathway but Mm -hmm. it was one of those things he was like but I don't understand why we struggle to recruit black educators and so we got into this whole conversation around we want black educators to come back to a system that may have harmed them as students right and we haven't really reformed the system and then the black educators that you do get again thank goodness that we are made of sunshine and all things great um But then we exhaust those teachers because then we want them to teach. We want them to be disciplinarians. We want them to be mom, coach, all these other things. And we exhaust those teachers. Yeah. And then they don't stay. So, I mean, it's so many, so many factors at play. And that for me is what, what I'm presently most interested in is how do we recruit and retain black educators in really purposeful ways? Not just saying we want you here to be a face, to to have this symbolic meaning. Yes, that is important, I think, to support the aspirational um, goals of students. But within that, we also want you to feel successful. We mm-hmm. want you to enjoy what you do. Um, and so how do we respond to that? And so thinking about what that means from 
teacher education, recruitment to supporting teachers through the early part of their career. That's awesome. So how is the how are those ideas tying into your doc program? Um, so within the CC curriculum, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. We, yeah, curriculum, <laughs> culture, and change. Well, now we're, we're writing a paper, right? So we're doing cult, curriculum, culture, and change parentheses CCC. So that now you know <laughs> when she right. says CCC, that's what she means. Education has so many acronyms. Yeah, sometimes we forget uh-huh. who, who uses what. <laughs> um, but thankfully, you know, within CCC, there is so much diversity and interest, okay. and so there is a lot of opportunity to really take your interest mm-hmm. and, and run with it. Um, and so within that, the courses I've taken specifically around like the structures of schooling, um, just kind of understanding how different isms, be it racism, sexism, ableism, all these mm-hmm. things can factor in. Um, also spending some time with people who have such um an interest in like black feminist thought and womanism. Mm. Is there a lot of that? Uh, no, but the people who are really deep in that camp have been really helpful in helping me to flesh out those ideas yeah. because as much as I say black educators, we also know that teaching remains primarily a woman dominated industry. Right. So it is looking specifically at black women educators. Um, and so having just advisors and mentors and friend tours to kind mm-hmm. of help guide and flush that out has been really, really great. Um, independent studies are <laughs> your best friend in a space where, you know, I think, especially in the light of 2020, a lot of programs are like, how do we respond? How do we decolonize? How do we do all these yeah. things that should have been happening for quite some time, but Correct. thank goodness for more of an intentional focus now, uh, better late than never, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just really nice to be in a place where I think people are tapping more into how do we support these students with these very different, very specific, very um, personal to them interests and respond to that. And thankfully, those people who have been in my corner throughout this program have been just really supportive and like, okay, Kendra said she wants to do this. Yeah. She's going wrong with it. I think they also know like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, so that's been uh, love. So I'm, I'm thankful to them. If they're listening, thank you. <laughs> well, speaking of Kendra doing what she wants to do. And if Kendra says she's going to do it, she's going to do it. You are also um, one of our fearless leaders for um, the uh, affinity groups that we have created um, within Merrick. You talk so much about, again, that recruitment and retention of our educators of color, which is the exact mission of our unit, but also why we created these affinity groups that kind of deal with different pockets um, of the different types of student of color that we have. So you have our black doc students, correct? Or did you, did you take it a step further and do women or it's just. Well, I mean, it, so it was women. Okay. Responded. Um, but yes, it is wellness for black doc students. And so one of the things that, again, I think in just this era of inclusivity and solidarity, um, you know, we, we hear this term, uh, POC, people of color, now BIPOC, Mm -hmm. um, which I think on the one hand has tremendous value for really differentiating between the experiences of white and Mm non-white people. But even within 
these spaces of BIPOC, it's mm-hmm. like there's still so much diversity, so much nuance there. So when I was thinking about the affinity group, it was like, I'm also inspired by the principles of FUBU for us, by yes. us. Uh, <laughs> as an alumnus of a historically Black college, university, college and university, mm-hmm. um, I take so much comfort in spaces that I can be fully unapologetically myself, no explanation right. if I want to speak with broken English. Yeah. It's not a, yeah. oh, you know, uh-huh. you know? Um, and so a lot of that was kind of this, this impetus behind starting that affinity group, especially, and then really running with this idea of what does it mean to be well, uh, separated from like physical activity, um, yoga. I don't even really care for yoga and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. That's not my personal mm-hmm. bag. Um, but what does it mean for me to show up in these spaces, to feel whole, to feel restored, um, to feel empowered? Because you know, we, and we know there's a history of this, this dual consciousness mm-hmm. of, of people of color that we occupy. Um, and so being able to say, here's this, this pocket where I can retreat and be fully myself without question, without explanation in order to recharge and then go back into these spaces, which are shifting, but not fast yeah. enough, mm-hmm. um, which still have these ideas around like, how I should occupy space. Um, And so really wanted to create that space. And also, I think one of the things that has kind of come up a lot since I even uh, came to VCU was just like, where are the Black people? I mean, Mm -hmm. we see them, Mm -hmm. but don't really get to uh, interact in really authentic, Mm -hmm. really uh, non-prescriptive kind of ways. And so that is something that, when I think about creating a space was really important. How do we want to show up? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, some people were, were all very different. So mm-hmm. like my method of relaxing and right. my method of being off the clock looks very different from some of the other women in the group. Um, but it feels safe. And, and I think in a space that is exhausting, yes. as exciting as academia it is, it is also very exhausting. Uh, it's nice to have a place that feels like home. Awesome. So one of the things that I end up asking a lot of our um, guests, because we do have a lot that essentially at some point um, went to a HBCU and now they work or receive their doc- doctorate degree from a PWI, right? Can you talk about, I guess, you know, that support, right? How do you see those differences in being in that HBCU? And I think you touched a little bit on it in terms of, hey, Black people, you're right here versus, yeah. hey, Black people, where are you? Which I'll be, you know, for me, I went to undergrad at VCU. So I saw the Black people, but again, undergrad and being in a doc program or even a master's program is really different, right? You're not starting classes to four, sometimes seven. And now thanks to that word we will not use, we're virtual, right? So you really right. don't get a chance. But right. I always like to hear that perspective of, you know, that vibration of being from HBCU and now. It, it is such a big shift. So when we go back to, I guess, my history, mm-hmm. my uh, biography. Uh, so to go from Hampton and then to move to New Orleans, mm-hmm. which is a very mm-hmm. beautifully chocolate city. Um, and then to leave New Orleans, I moved up to Maryland and completed my master's at Johns Hopkins. Mm. So it was like... Really? Yeah. yeah. It's a huge shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and then VCU is uh, comparatively a nice middle ground between yeah. Hampton and Hopkins. 
Um, but there are still, you know, one of the things that I loved about that period going from Hampton to New Orleans, uh, again, was just this, I could be, and this idea mm-hmm. of like, I am mm-hmm. and I can be, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't have to be complete sentences because sometimes we don't have the language, but right. it's like, this is who I am in yeah. this moment. Um, and so it was less guarded in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Because you felt understood, but you also knew that the outside world existed. So uh, some of the debates around like attending HBCUs is like, oh, it doesn't prepare you for the real world. Y'all can kill all that. (laughs) I actually actually feel more prepared because what it taught me was that I can stand unapologetically in my Blackness, in my womanness. Um, I can rumble with the best of them and y'all are still going to get this work yes Uh, and so to be in a place that actively and deliberately cultivated that Mm -hmm. is one of those experiences that I wish that on everybody um (laughs) if if you didn't get it I would advise you to like look for (laughs) Lipinity group now yeah Uh, personal plug yeah (laughs) do it yeah um so I think that is the biggest shift and then of course coming back uh outside of that that bubble and the way that Hampton and New Orleans created, um, it's, you go back to being in the majority and I don't generally (coughs) use the idea of uh, majority, minority. Um, I think I said that backwards. You go back to being the minority Mm -hmm. um, because we just all aren't there. Like I don't get to walk outside my front door and see my... uh, (laughs) actual blood cousins or my play cousins. Yeah. Um, and so you move a little differently. But again, I think having that backdrop of, but I can stand in my full self all the time, that still shines through. Um, I think HBCU grads will wear that on them. So it's like, when you when you see it, it's like, okay, I see you. <laughs> Salute. Um, and, and you just know, but it, it it's a different level of awareness in terms of just, because you're being judged, you're being evaluated um, in a way that even though Hampton held us to high standards, you didn't necessarily <laughs> feel that pressure yeah. of being evaluated. Yeah. Those are all such great perspectives. And I feel like low key, you're almost like my parallel spirit animal because so my bachelor's was in mass comm. So I also was like, I didn't necessarily want to be Oprah. Right. But I wanted to be a, a MTV VJ. Like that was the goal. Right. But the same thing, you're like, okay, there's something else there. What what else is it? And having that conversation with the mentor, which is so powerful. I think it's so dope that it was your fifth grade teacher, um, honestly. Um, but again, me, it was, it was someone that I looked at and was like, you do this all the time. How do I do what you do? And that came kind of same kind of conversation, which I think is, <laughs> is super awesome. Um, so taking everything that you've just talked about, right, all the different tools that you've received and all the different things that you're researching and into now, how are you then pouring that into our residency, you know, students, um, especially the ones in that Petersburg area, right? Because that's, and correct me if I'm wrong, probably one of the more tougher kind of areas for our students to kind of flow into and, and feel feel whole. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, I think a lot of my philosophy just around life spills very much into my uh, professional philosophies and they're like I just want to be surrounded by solid people mm-hmm. like 10 toes down are you a solid human and so when I think about supporting 
the residents and their coaches and, and all the people I come across, it's like, how do we cultivate practitioners who, when the students look at them, are going to say, oh, this person is solid. Mm. And so that looks very different and individualized per uh, resident, per clinical CRC. Um, but trying to use that to say, again, what do you need to be successful? How do I respond to that? And for some people, it's much more of a lift on my yeah. end as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I'm most excited about, though, this year is having had the opportunity to launch anti-racist teaching forums through RTR. And so that is a monthly for seminar style yeah. um, experience where all of our residents across all tracks come together and we really get into like, how are you showing up as a person? Mm-hmm. What thoughts and beliefs you're really getting into? How do we at least recognize, if not kind of just uh, do away with our different biases? Um, how do we understand the world around you? You know, because I think part of being solid is like, I am my full self. Mm-hmm. I recognize how my full self exists when I'm alone, when I'm in relation to other people, um, be it on a personal level, on a on a um, professional level. So we do a lot of work just around who are you and mm-hmm. why are you in this work? You know, right. we started, um, actually taught, the elementary and secondary tracks last summer. And so we started with the question of like, why are you here? Mm -hmm. Why in Richmond and surrounding counties? uh, Why education? Why BC? Why this moment in time? Mm -hmm. And so that I think was our starting point to say like, we're going to figure out your why. And and recognize like people's why's change. Sometimes when we get into those why's, we learn things about ourselves Mm -hmm. that are misaligned to what we thought we wanted mm-hmm. um and so really just being that facilitator to say y'all I don't have all the answers I would like to believe I'm very well informed um <laughs> uh, and, and I do know a lot but yeah we as individuals are also experts on ourselves and so I can't tell you about yourself even when I most certainly want to sometimes um but ha- let me let me be on this journey with you let me guide and develop because one of the things is that like your teaching persona is going to look very different than mine ever could. Yeah. I was the Beyonce of teaching. I still am. Talk about it, queen. Talk (laughs) about it. (laughs) Some of us are Beyonce. Some are Kelly. Some are Michelle. (laughs) Some are, I don't even remember the other girl. (laughs) Latavia. Was it Latavia? No, the the one, Farrah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, um, hmm. you know, and, and I think it's important that we tap into, are you, which member are you? And you <laughs> how do we, how do we yeah. tap into that? I mean, yeah. I think whatever her name was, she could have had a career, What's but she needed face? some more development. Yes. Um, and, and so then leveraging that to say like, okay, if you're Michelle, we know <laughs> you are not going to hit that falsetto in the same way, but you actually have this strength in teaching. Yes. <laughs> But I am Beyonce, always. And that's okay. Listen, the confidence is where it's at. Confidence is key, right? I tell it my is. students that all the time. No one's going to believe you if you don't believe yourself, right? And if you come in front of the classroom swinging, you know, swinging that, that hair and giving that energy, I'm like, oh, I believe her. 
up because they're going to get this work. Um, and, and that even now working with adult learners, um, I would like to believe, I mean, I have, I have course survey data that uh, those people who have taken courses with me get that energy and they're like, okay, Kendra is a lot and she's very animated and all over the place all the time. Um, but, you know, she is committed to this craft. She is committed to supporting us in a way that is going to prepare us to be like really ready for our students. Again, throughout Richmond, because Richmond is home, I'm from here. Uh, I graduated from Henrico County. So all of these districts and, and surrounding areas are very close to home. And so one day, should I decide to raise children or just have co little cousins, nieces and nephews who are going through these schools? I want to make sure that whoever is standing in front of them is the most solid person they can be, a person who's done some self-work, a person who's aware, who, who understands like the climate that we're in, who is intentional in learning about who they are. You know, a lot of people talk about um, like culturally responsive teaching. I would rather a shift to culturally intentional teaching, mm -hmm. um, which is a new idea that just came up like over winter break about like responding to me while I am thankful for all of the the giants, the mental giants who laid that foundation. Um, I think when we think about leading with intention, it is more deliberate and more active and more proactive Absolutely. as opposed to let's work within these systems that already exist. No, 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 mm -hmm. no. How do I put this, the, these students in this space at the forefront and then work to support them? That makes sense to me, Beyonce. 1,000%. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So with all of that, you know, again, we are living in <laughs> brand new times. Um, a lot of our teachers, our, our regular <laughs> teachers are, are already um, struggling and trying to figure out different creative ways to stay engaged with their students in the virtual world, how have our residents been doing and what are some of the things that they, the hurdles they have been trying to come just by, you know, playing the assistant role in the beginning? Gosh, yeah, I am first, I want to say I am extremely proud mm -hmm. of the residents. Um, you know, as an RTR staff, I think one of the things that we struggled with was, and, and most of us have been out of the classroom for quite some time now, um, but how do we support teachers mm -hmm. and develop teachers against a backdrop that we have yeah. no idea what to do? Um, and so at, we, we as a staff, been very transparent. Like, y'all, we are learning right along with you, mm -hmm. but you are very much the, the subject experts. And so to see just the amount of genius and creativity that has come out of the residents um, thankfully, we have all of them partnered with really great clinical resident coaches. So they have the veteran teacher perspective to say, here are these best practices that mm -hmm. I've learned along the way. Mm -hmm. And then we have our residents who most of them, I mean, they all form kind of an age spectrum, but it's a lot of them who are like, we are proudly Gen Z. <laughs> like, we, we are in this technology. Yeah. It's our backdrop. And so I think, you know, them having the majority of them having that lens of being just so technical mm -hmm. um so plugged in i mean we're thinking social media online dating um clubhouse i don't even really know what that is right now but i keep seeing it pop up that's um, what clubhouse is you heard my exhale that's clubhouse 
but just all of these platforms that they understand yeah. um i think taking that that perspective with the the veteran a coach's perspective is really forming this beautiful uh somewhat unimaginable space for them because truly i mean I, I don't know. I don't want to give the name of some of the platforms they're using because I don't really know them in all honesty. Yeah. Um, but to to have conversations and say, oh, I tried this thing. Yeah. And like, this was the response. Yeah. Or I tried this. And I'm just like, wow. Okay, let me take notes. Can you yeah. school me? Actually, yeah. can you record the next time you teach? So yeah. then I can add this to a, a library and catalog. So for them to, I think, lead with that has been really, really impressive, really just kudos to y'all um I hope y'all are also listening to this (laughs) um and then of course I think it it presents challenges right because one of the things that we as teachers who were formerly in the classroom really understand is I think structuring classrooms so that that human connection piece of how do I establish culture how do I build relationships and even though people are figuring it out. I mean, one of the things we've all been starved for since uh, 2020 has been that human contact. So I think that'll be something that will take some adjusting and learning and responding to when this uh, pandemic is finally, (laughs) finally, fingers crossed, uh, finally done. But even then, I think, you know, this cohort and being able to talk to residents from the elementary, secondary, um, SPED, instructional assistant pathway is that they all have a hunger to do what's best for students. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's going to be a really big strength, whether we stay virtual um, or hopefully as soon as we return (laughs) in person. Yeah, no, it's, it's a struggle and creativity is key. Um, and yeah, the, the, they are Gen Z, huh? I get the alphabet confused a lot, but yeah, those are the folks that, um, they're going to keep us older folks on our toes. Um, and yeah, it's that brain capacity. Like I said, you mentioned clubhouse and I don't have the brain capacity for clubhouse, but I get the basic premise. Um, it's the chat room from the nineties. I get it. I'm cool. That's what it is. That's the basic premise of clubhouse. It's a chat room, you know, um, but it's a great way to push out information for sure. Um, when you have a, a audience that's willing to kind of listen and figure out new tools to do stuff. So cool. Um, let's see what else. So first of all, I'm just going to start saying Dr. Almost Johnson, because I see I see, you know, you pointed out your schedule behind you. You, you know, for you guys that can't see it, you know, again, in this audio world, she has a uh, a nice graph letting her know how much longer she has before she gets to cross that stage. Yes. <laughs> the countdown begins. The countdown. So well, she's almost there. Back in 2018. Yes. Uh, but the countdown is real now. Yes. What <laughs> else um, are you working on that you want to share with us that's a bit important to you, especially feeding into your work as one of our doc students? Yes. Um, so I'm really excited. So I have a book chapter coming Ooh. out. It's scheduled for sometime in the spring. The language was really, really vague. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I don't know if I can say the title. Oh, I'm going to plug it anyway. Okay. Uh, it's, it's Love Letters to a Bridge Called My Bag. And so it's an anniversary addition to the original, This Bridge Called My Bag. And so what it does is it focuses on 
uh, women of color who have kind of a feminist, womanist orientation. And so it's a collection of visual art, essays, all of these things. So I'm really excited for that. I'm also working on, and that talks just a little bit about, um, God, what was the title? In Darkened Preludes to Womanhood. Okay. So it really kind of focuses on the adultification of Black girls within education and so how we hold them to, uh, we, not me, we the outside we, <laughs> hold Black girls to just impossible standards. Um, and, and we really deny them the innocence that they are entitled to mm-hmm. uh, as as young people. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I'm also working on a project now, untitled, uh, but it's really looking at the intersections of race, gender, and weighted identity uh, in the professional identities of Black women educators. And so I love Lizzo. Um, mm-hmm. And so we see just across social media, the, the pushback she gets mm-hmm. as a woman who is fully mm-hmm. unashamedly in her body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw this this post and under it, it said, I am not your Lizzo which I assume was a playoff of I Am Not Your Negro. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about all these ways that people police other people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically the, the bodies of Black women. And when we get into even more of the nexus of Black womanhood, the bodies of bigger bodied Black women, um, you know, we become people's default aunties, default all these things. And it's just like, and then that translates into the professional dynamics. And, you know, then there's that coworker who thinks they can come cry on your shoulder mm-hmm. uh, because your, your skin is soft. And so you're, you're a little <laughs> plush. And it's like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't particularly sign up for that. Um, yeah. So it's really looking at the way that identities are projected onto mm-hmm. bigger body black women that I'm really excited about. Um, and I think again, with, teaching being such uh, a feminine profession as it has come to be known as, uh, it's really interesting to me, hopefully other people will find it interesting Mm -hmm. too, of just how there are all these expectations around what a woman educator should be versus how she sees herself in the role. So I'm excited about that. So stay tuned. I just submitted that proposal. Soon come. Well, t- I mean, I don't. How do? You, when do you sleep? Just quick. What? When do you go to sleep? Um, I don't okay. actually. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> I have a bedtime alarm. <laughs> I have a bedtime alarm on my phone. Okay. Even thinking about you know starting wellness for Black Doc students, I can't do this work if I don't take yes. care of myself. And yes. so Audrey Lord is one of my absolute favorite thinkers of all time. Uh, and she has this quote that says, caring for myself is not self-indulgent. Yes. Like, this is my own revolution. Yes. So, you know, really trying to say, and sometimes I don't stick to my bedtime schedule more <laughs> often than I don't. But I put forth that effort to yeah. say, like, this is how I'm going to take care of myself um, so that I can show up. So I can keep, you know, my foot on the gas. I can keep doing this Beyonce level uh, greatness yes. and all the things. Um, so, yeah. But well, that, I, that countdown on that calendar, you see. Yes. June 2022, all I'm doing is sleeping. That's Listen, <laughs> you got to plan sleep. That's. <laughs> but it's That's also, it. but it's also a great segue for my, you know, final question for you, which, you know, 
How can people be Beyonce, right? How can people be Beyonce in their space? How can they create that equity and inclusion to make everyone feel like they too can be Beyonce? I I think the key to it all is um, increasing your self-awareness. And I recommend that through therapy. Um, You know, one of the things that I'm really excited about is how mental health has shifted and become such a priority. Uh, But until you start unpacking your stuff on an individual level, understanding yourself, you are not going to understand, I think, the way that we just all fit together into this great jigsaw. Um, And so thinking about, you know, starting on this very individual, introspective self search, and then kind of moving to this um, intergroup understanding. And I think across that therapy. I think also like not being scared to talk to people. Mm -hmm. One of the things that drives me up a wall is people saying, I don't want to say the right, the wrong thing. I don't have the language, especially in academia. It's like you're in a higher ed program. How you don't have the language is actually beyond me Mm -hmm. uh, because all we use is language Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to like have these conversations, stop being scary, as my dad used to tell me, (laughs) don't be scary, you got it. Um, But I think that's important. You know, people tiptoe, and and I get it, we've been socialized to say, oh, this is inappropriate, I can't have this conversation, I don't want to hurt a feeling. But also, if you don't talk to people (laughs) and engage in really purposeful ways, it's lost on me how you expect to grow yeah. in an industry that is people-centered. Yeah. So, you know, talking to people and then talking to a therapist, I actually have a therapy appointment today um, <laughs> because we need that as, mm-hmm. as a check and balance for mm-hmm. ourselves. And I think once we, as people, and I mean, and therapy might not be everybody's bag. Yeah. It works for me. Whatever works for you, great, go forth, commit to it fully. Um, But definitely just taking time to, I think, constantly assess how you are fitting into this overall jigsaw and and being very honest with yourself. You know, I saw this meme on Instagram that was like, to be real, we have all been the bad guy in somebody else's story. I think that that's really hard for people to sit with. But it's like, as great as I think I am, Mm -hmm. I also know that Mm -hmm. there are a couple of people who are like, "Mm, Kendra, that one time, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, and so I think, you know, being very honest and then kind of just doing that reflecting, like ongoing reflecting, I think, um, in a lot of ways is that very foundational space to then think about how do I, how do I create more equitable spaces from my locus of control? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in closing, how can people who have interest in joining your affinity group, um, begin that process? For sure. Um, so they can email me at Johnson K D as in dance three uh, at vcu.edu. I will gladly send them the contact information, put them in the group me, let them uh, invite them to participate in all of those things. Um, also, I'm launching a new website. Like, I actually, have a headshot appointment. Next come week. on, come on, Beyonce. Come you know, on. Uh, because I need some new headshots. So that's also a way. And my plan is to link in just kind of all okay. the different projects that I'm a part of. 
um, that way. So if people have that link, they can definitely log in that way. Or just, you know, see me around. I love yeah. being outside in a mask. <laughs> it might be hard to tell. Um, but I, lo- I love Richmond. I love being around. People will see me at VCU yeah. a lot uh, when it is safe again. So yeah. definitely, like, talk to me. Um, yeah. And we can be cousins. <laughs> but they just can't be Beyonce. <laughs> but every Beyonce needs a Kelly and a oh, Tina. Oh my gosh. Yeah, when you look, and then even as you go through the family, when you mentioned the whole idea about the meme. Uh, about you being somebody else's enemy in their story. I thought about Matthew Knows. I was like, yeah, everyone has to be a Matthew Knows. Everyone somebody. Has- somebody. <laughs> somebody. And then we still have Solange and Jewel. We I do. Mean, we have <coughs> the whole family. The whole family tree. Um, and we can be in there some type of way. But I am Beyonce. I, I, I can't share that title. <laughs> I love it. That is the name of this episode, everyone. I am Beyonce. Kendra, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an amazing conversation. I'll be sure to put all of your information in the, uh, uh, what is this called? Podcast description. So folks can get to you a little bit more faster, but thank you. And good luck on your journey. Thank you. And thank again, you. we're going to, we're going to set up our time to have our, our wonder twins podcast session that I don't know people are ready for. You know what? It might be a lot, but, <laughs> but they need it. Yes. Yes. You gotta give the people what they need, even yes. if they don't think they need it. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much. Thank you, Faith. Thank you all so much for joining us for our latest episode of Equity, the podcast. We encourage you to communicate with us via social media. Check us out on Twitter. Our handle is VCU Merrick. That's V-C-U-M-E-R-R-E-C. See you all next episode.